Welcome to the Doghouse. It's Riverdale Season 4, Episode 4, Chapter 61, Halloween. When ominous videotapes begin appearing on doorsteps across Riverdale, widespread fear quickly returns to the town. Well, it's a Halloween episode. I mean, I would say it's spooky, but we've watched Riverdale before. This isn't spooky. No, not really. tragic and dumb. In fact, kind of icky. I mean, yeah, but at this point, it's par for the course. So, shall we recap that recap? Yep. Charles has arrived, Archie beat up some assholes, Jug and Moose are roommates, but Moose has some issues, and Bughead got a videotape. Cool. So we start directly at the Not Cooper house, and everyone is watching this tape, and it's literally six hours of their house. It's like just the front door. That's not creepy at all. No, because, you know, we were expecting something sinister, and this is just creepy. Jughead, you know, why would they do a videotape? Why something so anachronistic which you know such a jughead thing to say and charles suggests that it's something to unsettle people to let them know that they're being watched which i'm still liking like i think this is mr honey i think this is his game i mean maybe eh, i think it'd be cool there's too many potential red herrings going on here well okay but here's the thing with the clearly he's playing a long game there's a long game here with this thing because he showed up and was like all right i'm not putting up with your shit and he's, he can wait him out. That's what this whole thing is. Well, that's fair, but is it not even more sinister than that? Oh, I'm sure it eventually is, but that's kind of the point in a long game is to draw out how bad is this going to go? How long are we going to let this go- drag out? Well, pretty far, as far as we can tell. Re- I mean, they're really good at that. And while that's happening, we've got this bullshit at the school. We've got this crap with Cheryl. This is a distraction to the other things that are happening. I don't think the videotapes are Charles at all. I don't know that Charles is the bad guy. We get a little Jughead narration and we see that Archie got one, Cheryl and Tony got one, Veronica got a videotape and so did Pop. So like everyone's been getting these and because no messages are being included, it's that feels that much more disturbing. We get the Halloween font, day before Halloween. Eh. It's fine. I mean, you're calling the episode Halloween. You're going to have Betty dress like Laurie Strode. Use the font. I'm okay with that. They've done it before in previous episodes, just not with the Halloween font. So I'm okay with it. I don't know. It's not as bad as the Apocalypse Now reference, but it's still not great. At least this is an appropriate episode for it. (laughs) And it wasn't unearned. That's fair. We're back at the Not Cooper house and FP's on the phone. He's, you know, talking to somebody. Apparently there's another one. The mugs has got another tape. So I guess the mugs still exist, even though a please, Shannon Purser, do not come back to the show. <laughs> You'll be wasted and shat on in a way that does not need to happen. Alice is there and she's very excited. She's going to go get an interview before tonight's broadcast. Never change Alice Cooper. That's very season one, Alice. Uh-huh. And she says it's a fringe benefit of living with the sheriff. They kiss and it's it's cute. Like they're into each other. Except Betty is weirded out. I think everyone's weirded out by this. Uh, <laughs> FP asks if Jughead's coming home. They're like, yep, that's the plan. And Al says, well, why don't you invite your brother? My half-brother? Well, he doesn't know anybody in town. And Betty's like, okay, well, why is he still here? Great question. Thank you for asking the question we're all wondering about. Alice says he's helping with the tapes and a couple other cases. And... She goes on to say, you know, it's the one good thing to come out of this nightmare. Brought the entire family together. To which Jellybean, who's like making breakfast orders, says, 
except for Jughead, who's at Stonewall Prep. And Betty replies, and Polly, who's in a facility being deprogrammed. And they kind of just give each other like that, you know, like, touche. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is our life now. Get on over to Thistlewood and Cheryl and Tony are carving pumpkins at a table with Jason, who is sitting there with his mouth open. Now, I just need to remind the audience, in case they've forgotten, Jason died. Jason died before the series ever started. His death was the impetus of this whole fucking show. So, hey, I almost don't even want to talk about this storyline because that's how terrible it is. And I know we have to, but I hate it. I hate everything about it. Tony's stupid. And, like, I I get it. Tony's stuck. This is her home now. This is her girlfriend. And there are two, like, she's gotten into a situation that, like, if she leaves, there's nobody coming to help anybody. She's it. She's the only person with any sort of perspective or rationale living in that house. And that is another reason why this relationship is so fucking toxic. Not to say the other relationships in Riverdale are good. This is by far the worst. I think what's so galling, though, is that it's so contrived. Her being stuck is so forced by the writers of this show. This should not be happening. This should be a pickup from the other conversation, and it should be Tony trying to force it. Like, Cheryl, I think we need to go talk to somebody. We need to talk to somebody. The dead body is just just a symptom of something else. It is not the problem. You are the problem. There's something wrong with you that needs to be addressed. But instead... But instead, we're talking about burying Jason. And Cheryl is just saying, well, it's his favorite holiday. It's Halloween. No. And Tony's like, well, you're going to say that about Thanksgiving and then Christmas. And fine, we'll rebury him on the Boston family plot on the grounds of Thornhill. But I'm warning you, he's not going to like this. To which Tony just goes, I'll get the shovels and just walks out of the room. (laughs) That's the one. That is the only moment where I'm like, respect, Tony. Get that body in the ground. Yep. We go to Stonewall Prep and Jughead's in his room and he's picking up some stuff off of a desk and he sees an army brochure. And so he interrogates Moose and Moose says, you know, I'm almost 18. Army doesn't care who you are or where you're from. And Jughead's like, don't do this. If you leave, you let him win. Moose is like, you know, okay, but they're not calling you gargoyle boy. And so we cut on over to Riverdale High. Betty's at her locker. She's walking down the hall and she sees the Black Hood and the Gargoyle King. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, it's great. We hear that Gargoyle King growling noise we heard all last season. (laughs) And it's really just two kids dressed that way. Mr. Honey comes in and starts yelling at them saying like, no costumes at school. No, take them off. Let's go. Hey, that's the one time I'll have major amounts of respect for Mr. Honey. It's an appropriate rule. Makes sense. You know, you see that in most of the places, no full face masks for costumes. Well, and also for a community so wrecked by masked horribleness. Yeah. Like, I think instituting at least for one year a no costumes policy, perfectly reasonable. Yeah. We head on over to the doghouse. Hey! And Betty's talking to Veronica. She's like, yeah, I'm a little on edge this year because... People are dressed up like the Black Hood and the Gargoyle King, and then we have the videotapes. Veronica says, yeah, ever since my dad broke into the Pembroke, I'm a little worried. No. Yeah. Reggie walks in and is like, okay, who wants to TP Mr. Honey's office? <laughs> they're all like, come on, we're, we're seeing it. Like, they're all giving him a like, Reggie, we're too mature for this. And Reggie's like, nope. And Kevin is all in on this because last week, 
Mr. Honey gave him a week's detention for going to the bathroom without a hall pass. That's quite excessive. Well, it's Mr. Honey. But also just, Reggie, it's senior year. Yeah, it's senior year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then Monroe comes in. He's like, yo, Red, I've got some distressing news. Oh, God. Dodger is pissed about getting beaten up by that vigilante, and they're planning on wilding Halloween night, looking to bust some heads. What? the fuck is this like where did this come from like uh, who wrote this who who wrote this i'm i'm embarrassed for you archie appropriately is like oh man that sucks because the kids are going to be sitting ducks in the neighborhood like this is not good for them veronica has actually a really good suggestion she's like why don't you host a halloween party at the community center and that'll keep the kids off the street and out of harm's way and they're all like oh yeah okay that's that's a cool idea and then she continues don't worry about costumes. One of my pals in New York City, Katie Keene, she goes to the High School of Performing Arts and is an amazing designer. Fuck off, Veronica. Oh, Fuck. look, a CW promo. We go back to Stonewall Prep and we're in the snooty class. And apparently we're talking about spooky writing. Jughead brought H.P. Lovecraft. Barf. Brett scoffs. And Jughead's like, yeah, you're the guy who brought in the raven. <laughs> okay. Brett says that his favorite post story is the cask of Amontillado. That guy gets sealed up behind bricks, never to be seen from again. And that sounds like a horrible way to go, right, Forsyth? Just vanish, because this isn't foreshadowing as fuck. It's Like, just write foreshadowing on his head. It's so fucking obvious. And then, like, the Stonewall 4? You mean, and like someone else says, let's make Forsyth the Stonewall 5. We're overdue for vanishing. We cut directly to Chipping's office, and Jughead's asking about it. Apparently, over 30 years ago or so, some students went missing, but they didn't really go missing. They dropped out. It's it's folklore. You know, it, that's all it is. And so I guarantee you that's going to be Jughead the first is one of those four. And Chipping disappeared him. Well, no, Chipping's not that old. I think Chipping might have been one of the four as well. Entirely possible. Um, and now he's got maybe a new identity or he's been lying about it. I have a feeling that Jughead the first is either one of the disappeared or he's one of the people who made them disappear. He's involved for sure. We cut back to Thistlewood and Tony's like, I'm proud of you. You're the strongest person I know. And Cheryl's like, well, it's not the first time I've had to bury my brother, but hopefully it's the last. <laughs> I appreciate that joke. And, you know, Tony's like, okay, well, it was the right thing to do. And they're in that front parlor room. And it's like, oh, no, what's that? And it's a creepy fucking doll. It's uh-huh. just like a sailor. And she was like, oh, no, I was afraid of this. Of what? Jason's ghost. He's mad at us for what you made me do. And Tony's face is absolutely perfect. She's like, this is so fucking stupid. And Tony's just not buying into it. I know exactly where this is going. The trash. And she walks out. And this is where the face Cheryl makes, you know, she's setting her up. She's trying to guilt Tony and she's like, you made me give away my brother. I had to bury him. Okay. If this were an actual haunted doll and Cheryl was like, that's weird. And we played it as an actual haunting. Mm -hmm. Totally fine. I mean, weird and creepy. Then you spend the episode where you can raise the stakes to where Tony finally goes, Cheryl, this has to stop. You have to get help. Mm -hmm. And Cheryl goes, I agree 100%, but I am not kidding. This is not me. No, exactly. Like they they could have built this up in a better way that made it seem like, of course, it's Cheryl doing this. Of course, it's Cheryl. 
But then we realize that there's no possible way this could be Cheryl or Nana Rose. And it could have played off so much better, but they went instantly for this, which also undercuts all of Cheryl's mental illness that's happening. And it also makes Tony out to be a doormat and an idiot. So, yay, character assassination. Thanks. Thanks, Arias. It makes Cheryl an abuser. Oh, Cheryl's always been an abuser. I know. The problem is they focus so much on her having been abused and they never deal with that. And it's played off as an excuse for her to abuse other people. That is constantly the excuse they give. It's is, bad. Which it's, is why I fucking hate her. It's really fucking bad. <laughs> they've they've gotten so close to redeeming her and then they go the other direction. And they I honestly believe it's because they don't know how to write a character who is cutting and vicious towards people, but that is still redeeming. And there is a way to do it. it. There's a way to have a character who is Cheryl, just who's making all those mean jokes and who's super self-entitled and important and and not be gross and manipulative and an abuser. Like there's a way to do it and they cannot do it. So they keep doing this shit and it's really damaging and bad. Yeah. Great. And hard to watch. I don't call it hard to watch. It's just like, it's disappointing. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed, but I am mad. <laughs> we go back to Stonewall. We're in like some library and Jughead's doing some reading and Donna brings him some coffee. We're looking at some articles about the Stonewall 4, perhaps. And Jughead's like, how'd you guess? You love a good mystery. And Jughead says, you know, I've looked through all the articles, but I don't see anything. And so my next stop is the town newspaper and the police station. And all of a sudden Jughead gets like really like groggy and he's unsteady and then he's like, oh, I need some air. And he falls down. And Dawn is just like, you need to lie down. And then like we can hear the heart beating really loud. And then all four of the students look over him. And we can see we get the camera angle up at them. And they're like, say hello to the Stonewall 4 for us. Riverdale. So then we cut on over to Pops. And we hear this, okay, opening my eyes now. And Veronica turns around. And it's Archie and Monroe, and they're wearing costumes that are directly from the comic books. And the first words out of Archie's mouth are, we look ridiculous. Thank you, Archie. You were correct. (laughs) Except they look adorable. They look like the comic book, which is, this is the exact right time to do this. This is cute. This This is, is adorable. This is cute. I'm with V on this. I love it. You're adorable, both of you. What are our names again? According to Katie, you, Archie, are Pure Heart the Powerful, and you, Monroe, are the Shield. Again, same from the comic books. And I like that Monroe's like, all right, I'm into this. And that's also a callback to season two, episode one, when they're talking about Archie being a do-gooder, and they call him like Captain Pure Heart or something to that effect, which is a call to this comic book character. So they're like, okay, we're going to go and Veronica's going to stay behind at Pops, but she'll take an Uber after she's done closing up. We go back to the Not Cooper house and Jellybean is dressed as Rosie the Riveter. It's very cute. She's like, why aren't you wearing a costume? And Betty says, I am. I'm dressed as Laurie Strode from the original Halloween movie. And Jellybean's just like, oh, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I like that. That's a nice little call. We get a doorbell. Betty goes, opens the door. It's two kids dressed as the Black Hood and the Gargoyle King, you know, because she lives on Elm Street, the murder house. And she's just like, you guys look great. Shuts the door. Like, just as like, I'm not going to get riled up by this. Yeah. Smart. Good choice. Jellybean asks, like, hey, what time is Jughead getting here? And Betty says, I don't know. I keep texting him. 
And Jellybean is very disappointed. And she just says, whatever, I'm going upstairs to play Minecraft, which is one of the most realistic things I've ever seen depicted on television. Because <laughs> she's like 13, 14. And it's just like, yeah, I'm going to go play Minecraft. Goodbye. Ugh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so Betty sits down on the couch and is just like, well, happy Halloween to me. Yay. And we see that there are pillows on the couch that have snakes all over them. I really like that touch. And it's like, oh, yeah, Gladys was here. Oh, that is true. Now, to be fair, Alice was a serpent or is a serpent, whatever. She's got that tattoo. But I don't believe for a minute that Alice would have put snake pillows in her house. That ha- Those are left over from Gladys. She wouldn't get rid of them, but she wouldn't have bought them. I don't think she cares. She's she's got FP and she's got her career and she's got the big scoop. So fuck a bunch of pillows. (laughs) We cut two. Jughead's in a coffin. He has a Zippo lighter. We've we've seen this scene before. He starts yelling. He's like, let me out. He's like, I know you love Edgar Allan Poe, but trying to prove that the premature burial is scary. The joke is on you because I've already survived way worse. My my favorite, though, is the start of the scene. Ow. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty good. Well, and then I like that he's trying to like play it cool, but then he's like, fuck. And then he starts like kind of freaking out and he keeps like yelling. The stages of being buried in a coffin. We go back to the Not Cooper house. There's a phone call. There's heavy breathing. And there's a dude on the phone calling for Betty saying they're the Black Hood. And she just says, you know, I don't know what kind of sick joke you think you're playing, but the Black Hood is dead. And I'm calling the police. And the voice says... Have you checked on the children lately? So then we get a commercial break. We come back. We're at Pops. And Veronica is closing up. And this guy comes in. And she's like, oh, no, I'm sorry. We're closed. And he's like, oh, but I've been driving. I could really use some coffee and a meal. I'm trying to get home to my family. And Veronica's like, okay, take a seat. I'll get you a menu. Oh, sweet. Like the the second you knew she was alone at the diner, whoever comes in there is trying to kill her or is going to tell her some deep, dark secret that she doesn't want to know. Those are the only two options. And hey, you know what? Mm -hmm. As shoehorned in as this premise is, it's still not as bad as Tony and Cheryl. It's really not because at least Veronica got to make Freddy Krueger. That's what I'm saying. Ah, spoiler alert. Uh-huh. Go to the El Royale gym. There's kids. There's a kid named Eddie who has a knife. So he's trouble. Archie takes the knife and the kid's like, can I have a back? I don't know. <laughs> also, worst party music ever. Yeah, this party's lame. But, it's boring. But like Archie is channeling his dad and... For all of Fred Andrews' attributes, he's kind of lame, and that's okay. Dodger shows up, and they're here to, like, grab the kids, especially Eddie, because he's supposed to be working. And Archie just reminds him, like, hey, you're on private property, so you better get going. This, they're so dumb. I mean... Like, like, you should have called the cops, talked to him. No, because there was, like, if they called the police... All that does is FP's going to show up and be like, you guys have to leave. This is private property. But it doesn't change the fact that they'll be waiting outside. And like, he's right in their later confrontation. That's not private property. I can do whatever I want. The only difference is if the police sees him with a gun, then things change. So like in this moment, like Archie did the right thing. He didn't try to get into a fight with him. He's just like, you're on private property. You have to leave. Like, I know Archie's still an idiot, but his first instinct in the last few episodes hasn't been to instantly go beat somebody up. Well, also, he's got kids there. He's got to protect. So, well, so like, yeah, the tiniest amount of growth. I will take it. 
We go back to Thistlewood and we've got Tony dressed as Harley Quinn and she looks really cute except her wig is really bad. Yeah, it's not great. The wig is bad. It should have just been her normal hair. That would have been way better. And then we've got Cheryl dressed as Poison Ivy. So they're being all cute and sexy with each other. They start making out and then they hear a baby on the monitor. Cue the toxic twins. And I'm just like, well, this is good. Like, don't make a baby because this is like, this is what babies do to your life. (laughs) Super annoying. So they go into the other room to check on the babies. They're all in the parlor and the babies are sleeping. And so Cheryl's like, where's the other baby monitor? And Nana Rose says, I heard him crying, your brother in the chapel. So they go to the chapel. And the creepy doll is in the wheelchair that they had Jason in. And even even Tony is like, I threw that doll away. Like, this isn't possible. Cheryl says, I told you it's JJ. He's angry. Now he's haunting us. And this is so fucking stupid. Hate it. Tony instantly says, Cheryl, are you messing with me? She goes, on the ashes of Thornhill, I swear I'm not. But I do think we should have a Halloween seance to try to talk to Jason. Because, of course. Because that fixes everything. Uh, it's fucking terrible. It's just bad. Well, and they they could have gotten the same thing that they wanted if they had done it. They executed better, which is ninety percent of our problem with this show. What you are trying to accomplish is not horrible, but your execution is the worst. You want to have a creepy doll haunting Thornhill? Great, we can make that happen. We can execute that. But you are not doing it well. You are shoehorning these things and you're trying to make them happen so quickly. It doesn't make any sense. And we've seen Madeline Petch be good. Yes. So I don't for a second believe that she's phoning in this performance. It has nothing to do with the performers. No. 100% the writing. 100%. We go over to Mr. Honey's office and Kevin and Reggie are really doing it up big time. Uh, even Kevin's like, you know, we should get out of here. Reggie says, relax. Did you see the parking lot? Alluded to the fact that it should be empty. Mr. Honey bursts in. He looks at Reggie, says, you stay here. Kevin, you come with me. So they've been busted. Kevin gives him the best fuck you look. Oh, man, Reggie, you got me trouble. God damn it. We go back to the Not Cooper house and Betty hears a giant thud from upstairs. She goes upstairs. She's opened the door and Jellybean is on the floor with a pool of blood behind her head and i was like did we just fucking kill jelly bean no no i knew we didn't we come back from a very quick commercial break and she pops up she's like you should have seen your face telephone starts ringing betty's freaking out she says do not answer that stay in here and lock this door she picks up the phone and says listen to me you sick son of a bitch i don't know who you are and the voice says you know yes you do i'm your father that's not possible i saw you i saw him die you saw what you wanted to see stop lying And tell me, Betty, do you know where this call is coming from? And she's yelling, leave me alone. It's coming from inside the house. And then we hear a banging on the door. Betty goes and picks up a fire poker, opens the door, is about to swing. And it's Charles. What are you doing here? I was just headed home. I thought you guys might want some pizza. Is everything okay? Gross. I mean, it's kind. It's part of it's like the scream bit. I would. I wish they would have gone more into the the calling back to scream because we've done it before to such great effect and it there's so much there that would be applicable to this show and these scenes it would be great yeah and it makes me think that charles charles is definitely doing this black hood thing Mm -hmm. but not because he's actually trying to murder anyone it's because he wants to be close to the family and betty 
He wants them to be scared so that he can rush in and be the hero. I think that he may not trust them. I think that they're still lying about things. And I th- I think he doesn't believe that the Black Hood is actually dead. And so I think he's trying to use the family as bait to get all this information. Uh, that That seems... Real far left field for me. No, like, I just kind of feel like, okay, we don't know what happened to Penelope. That has not been, like, we just know she's run away. Yeah. We don't know what happened to Chick. As far as we know, he's run away. We believe, because it as as close as much on screen as you could have had in this network television, we believe that Hal is dead. Yeah. But we also all love the idea that he has a twin. Like, we're still clinging to some of that. I don't love that idea at all. I don't love it because they already blew that with the Clifford and Claudius thing, but that would be really cool. I I would almost love it if that was part of the long plan with Charles. Like he's going to be a serial killer hunter and he is convinced that the Blackwood is actually still alive. I hate it. I, I hate it so much. You can hate it, but that's where my brain is because at this point to make the real Charles be evil isn't good, but I think the whole him listening in on her conversations is a misdirection by the show. They're trying to get us to fully doubt him. Well, they're kind of dumb thinking that. They are I- dumb, but every now and then they do something to surprise us. That's true. They have surprises and we can still like, oh, that makes sense. But it's like, oh, well, that was smart. That was good because we get surprised when they do something good. <laughs> like... But there's there's so not much, always a good thing to know. And but there's, there's so much about the show that we do genuinely enjoy. It's just like, <sighs> I think what I do really love about this show is its potential. Because it's there and I can feel it. And it is in every episode. Because if every episode was just pure garbage, which we have seen some of those. We have seen a few episodes that are pure garbage from beginning to end. But there's just so much potential in it, in the layers. I re- wish I knew how to edit because I feel like if I could re-edit a couple episodes, it would completely change them. I just know this show has decided to make a thing out of jumping the shark, which I'm actually down for if you just lean into that, right? Yeah. But when you have episodes like this, you're not jumping the shark. You're really like doing your best to assassinate your characters. It makes me not want to keep watching. Yeah. So we see Jughead. He's in the coffin for a bit and he's freaking out. So that's fun. We go over to Pops. Veronica is just feeding the dude who's there and he's talking about, you know, his wife and two little girls, little angels. Veronica's just like, you know, they're lucky to have a father who's willing to drive through the night just to be there for them. So that's cool. Oh, so sweet. We go back to the Not Cooper house and Betty's eating pizza with Charles and she's explaining to him what's going on. And Charles is like, you know, I can help you trace the call. Really? You can do that? Yeah, I got a unit in the back of the truck. It'll only take a few minutes. Betty's like, yeah, let's do it. Because this is what we do in this family. We just trust anybody who says that they're part of our family. Mm-hmm. Sure. We go back to Riverdale High. We're in a classroom with Mr. Honey talking to Kevin. And he's just telling him, you know, you've had a rough couple of years. I can only imagine how alone you feel. And you can see Kevin being like, yeah, you're kind of friendless. And that's a vulnerability that Mr. Mandel has exploited, isn't it? Ms. Burble tells me your first choice for college is NYU. It's great school. It'd be a fresh start for you. Sadly, I doubt you'll get in. Not after Carrie, not after Heather's, not after tonight. And Kevin is starting to really panic and freak out. And he's like, it was all Reggie's idea to trash your office. I'm so, so sorry. Okay, Mr. Honey. And Mr. Honey's like, no, 
That's good, Kevin. Very good. That's all I needed to hear. You can go now. Ugh. Ugh. Like, it's just, and this is why I feel like Mr. Honey's behind the videotapes and he's going to be playing this long game. Oh, yeah. I don't know to what end yet, but that's what makes me feel like this because I said this in our instant cast. He knows so much about these kids that they have no idea. They do not realize how much he truly knows about these kids. Yeah. And so it would make sense that he's the one who set up video cameras on all of their houses because he wants to know everything about what's going on in this town. I'm not going to put up with this garbage. It almost wouldn't surprise me if he's the one who's actually behind rumordale.com. That would put a pin on that because I think that might be the case. I mean, it's probably all of it. And then there's something deeper as to why he's going after them. Cough, cough, black hood, cough, cough. I he could just be a different serial killer. I'd be fine with that. But the but- other side of this is that it's played so gross that f- un- up until he does the NYU comment, and because I don't trust RAS at all, uh-huh. I'm like 90% convinced that he's about to say, if you do something sexual for me, I'll get you out of this. Yeah, no, that's definitely the fear of where this was going. So on the flip side of this, if he pays off as a character, mm-hmm. This moment is okay. If he pays off as a total creepy psycho, but he better. Otherwise, once again, you just had an unnecessarily gross scene. Oh, that's what they're really good at. Yeah. We go to the El Royale gym. Eddie wants to leave. Archie's like, no. And they go outside and Dodger and his crew are out there waiting for the kids to come home. Archie's like, no, you can't, you got to get out of here. And daughter's like, nope, it's private property, but this lot isn't. And Archie's about ready to go after him. He's like, I'm done playing. And Dodger pulls out a gun is like, yeah, you want to make our Halloween? And then Archie and and Monroe kind of walk back. And so I'm like, okay, well, at least he knows to stop there. Because also, duh, Archie, gangs have guns. Well, previously, that hasn't been a big thing in, in the gangs of Riverdale. And Archie has been a stupid one with a gun. So, like, I'm glad that it's kind of like, oh, no, I don't want to mess with this. So Archie calls FP, leaves him a message. He's like, we got a bunch of kids here and some punks with guns in the front. Let me know. And Monroe's like, okay, but what do we do? And Archie says, we just keep the party going as long as we have to. Which, you know, okay, like, that's smart. Like, let's keep the kids inside. Like, that's how we can protect them. (sighs) We go to Thistlewood for our seance. They're like, okay. Is the entity inside this doll present? It gets moved to Y. Tony's like, stop moving it. I would, TT, except I swear I'm not. Stop calling her TT. It's gross. Spirit, what is thy name? And so it moves to a J, and Tony gets so pissed off. She's just like, I know you're upset that I made you bury your dead brother's corpse, but this is so messed up. The fact that she even had to say that goddamn line is preposterous. Like, it's so ridiculous, and it just so explains how fucked up their relationship truly is. Cheryl says, I told you it's not me. It's JJ's ghost trying to engage with us. And Nana Rose says, that's not Jason, Cheryl. He's not moving the sport. Antoinette's right. It's not Jason. It's Julian. What do you mean? And so we find out that Cheryl's mom had triplets, but only Cheryl and Jason were born because Cheryl had absorbed the third one, eaten it. I needed my eyes to be able to roll all the way around in my head and back 
to get the eye roll I needed for this plot development. Okay, well, I called this one. You did. Which, okay, it's not entirely like 100% of my own making. It comes from Arias's stupid fucking post that he's just spoiling his own fucking show. Like, he did. He put, made that post, and I was like, okay, that's what happened to Cheryl. And then they said the name Julie, and I was like, oh, yeah, she ate her twin. Like, she absorbed him, whatever. That's, I, yeah, I just knew that's what they were going to do. I don't know what words to say anymore about this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's not a jump the shark moment. It's not so wacky it's fun, like Edgar being in a fucking rocket with an evil Knievel costume on. That's entertaining. That was entertaining. And hot. It was attractive. This is disgusting. And I'm not talking about like... I would th- I would rather watch Saw than this storyline. Well, like, and, and I understand that there's a biological aspect to that, but it's being played as though it's some horrific, horrible thing that happened and is causing a haunting in the house. What the fuck is this? Yeah. So, like, this doll was raised alongside the other babies until they got too big, and then he was retired to the attic. And Tony's just like, this is ridiculous. I think you guys are working together to make me realize that things were better when Jason was here. So we dig him back up and park him at the kitchen table. To which Cheryl says back here at the chapel would be acceptable. And if we did bring Jason back home, this haunting would stop, and we could get rid of the creepy-ass doll once and for all and bury him in Jason's grave. To which Cheryl's like, I agree to your terms. Like, you manipulative crazy bitch. Like, you're going through all of this to, like, get what you want out of your girlfriend. Because your girlfriend is literally just someone you manipulate to feel loved. And the thing is, she does love you. She wouldn't go through all this shit and she wouldn't stay here if she didn't love you. But you don't love her. You don't love her. And more importantly, the writers don't care enough about either of them. To give us any sort of satisfactory feeling. They did this last season when Tony was like, I feel like I might need to move out because like things were not going well because Cheryl owns people. That's how she treats them. And it's like, okay, well, you didn't do what I wanted you to do, TT. So I'm going to make you pay for it. And I'm going to haunt you with this creepy stuff because you made me bury my brother. And now you have to unbury him. So fucking stupid. So we go back to Knotkeeper House and they're tracking a phone call. The Black Hood calls. She keeps them talking long enough. They figure out where the call's coming from. She hangs up and we find out that it's coming from Shady Grove Treatment Center. So they're like, okay, we should call. And Betty gets a good idea. So Charles calls and is like, okay, I need to speak to Polly Cooper. I'm like, who may I ask is calling? And he says, Edgar. So Polly gets on the phone and goes like, Edgar, is it really you? And Betty takes the phone. No, bitch, it's your sister. <laughs> I love that. What? Edgar is worm food and you're as good as dead to me now, too. What? Betty, how could you pretend to be Edgar? How could you pretend to be dad? You're sick, Polly. Truly. And she hangs up on her sister. Except Polly didn't call. Nope. This is totally going to fuck Polly up. It's not going to be good for Polly, but that's okay. Like, it's going to take a while for Polly anyways. That's fine. And Charles is an asshole for doing this. I don't know. I could also see, like, Evelyn ever and ever doing this to Betty. Oh, who the fuck? That, that would yeah. be cool. I would love it if Evelyn was still alive and trying to fuck with Betty because she's mad because Betty's mom killed her husband, her her daddy husband. Like it's that that'd be great. I could see that happening because that's a really easy way to explain where the callers came from. Like that would explain it. Oh boy. 
But this is probably the best line of the night. Betty looks at Charles and she goes, okay, so ends the case of the mystery prank caller. You know, I wish I could say that tonight's been particularly insane because it's Halloween. But no, this is fairly typical. Like (laughs) that tone, whoever is writing that bit, because I feel like it has to be a new writer and has to be one particular person. But whenever they slip in those lines, this whoever this writer is, or maybe it's a team, whatever, they are perfectly capturing the audience's inner monologue while they watch this. It's like, yeah, that sounds about right. And that is part of what makes some of the ridiculousness fun. It also seems to be coming through Betty. Well, it can't like at the end of last season, it was Betty and Jughead first. And then in that last episode, it was Archie and Veronica. Because he was like, you're nuts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Veronica, your dad sucks. So yeah. like, so it's just one of those things that some some writer is slipping in these bits of inner monologues from the audience perspective and giving it a voice in show. And that helps ground some of the crazy. You know, knowing that RAS is so bad at this, I am going to salute whoever this mystery writer is. Okay. And I imagine they're working covertly. I hope so. Let's under hope. under the radar of the system. Uh-huh. And I applaud them for their service. Maybe it's a plucky assistant. Whomever, if you're writing those lines, I applaud you. And if anybody finds out or knows who it is who's writing those particular lines that we keep calling out over and over again because they are so good, I want to know so I can continually praise that person. And then come on our show. Mm-hmm. So we cut on over to Pops. Veronica's going to get this guy a piece of pumpkin pie. We hear Alice's voice on the radio breaking news. An extremely dangerous patient escaped Shady Grove Treatment Center earlier today. A serial killer nicknamed the family man, Michael Matthews. Oh, my God. That's good. Again, fine with reference. He's of average height and build. And after escaping from Shady Grove, he killed a trucker and stole his clothes and vehicle. And Veronica just looks and turns around. Smiles. She's at the edge of the counter with this pie in her hand, looking at the door to the speakeasy. She takes off running. He chases after her. She's able to shut the phone booth door to the speakeasy and go down there. We see her filling a bowl with liquor and she turns off all the lights. And then he comes down and he can't see. So he lights a Zippo because that's a standard thing now that apparently is being issued when you enter the town of Riverdale. (laughs) And then he turns around and Veronica is standing on top of the bar she throws the bowl at him he is engulfed in flames which is why i keep saying we were making freddy krueger and she runs out now that's what i call bad cgi it's very obvious that it's not her and that he's not true like they've they've embellished the flame around him because like i believe that that guy would if he's a stunt person might have been set on fire but they definitely embellished it and it looks fake 10 years ago Totally would have been truly engulfed in flames, mm-hmm. but it's totally computers. Like it just does not look how flames operate in any way. We go back to the El Royale, and they realize that some of the kids have left. They hear gunfire. They go outside. Eddie's been shot in the leg. Oh, for fuck's sake! And FP's there. Cool. We go back to the Not Cooper house. Charles is like, you handled the farm well at the motel, and I think you'd make an excellent candidate for junior FBI training program. I called this fucking shit. (laughs) This is is your third one of the night. Third one. Third one. I fucking (laughs) called this shit. And I have, I just basically stopped reading Reddit because it was a bunch of people posting bullshit 
about Lily and Cole and just people bitching about how the show's awful or talking about how much they love Bughead. And I was just like, I don't care about any of this conversation. (laughs) I don't read the Reddit anymore. And I rarely look at the Facebook groups. Like mostly I just like the memes people post because they're usually funny. They are good memes. Yeah, that's about it. I'm really going like no outside information other than like the trailers and the actual episode now. I'm so smart. And somebody's like, that's an actual thing. Uh huh. <laughs> like, we could work together to see who's sending those videotapes. You know, this town a whole lot better than I do. And Betty's like, it's true. And Charles' like, will you consider it at least? Which, you know, cool, cool, cool. We get the Halloween font. It's the day after Halloween. Reggie has been cleaning the office. And Mr. Honey comes in and is like, well, it looks good, Mr. Mantle. And so Reggie's like, can I go home? It's already morning. And he's just like, as long as we understand each other, we can walk out together. So they walk outside and Reggie's car has been TP'd and all the windows have been smashed. He's like, what happened to my car? And Mr. Honey's just standing there going like, it's a shame when someone disrespects your property, isn't it? And Reggie's like, who did this? Probably some hooligans having fun. Would you like a ride, Mr. Mantle? And he's just like, no, no, thank you. We'll get home safe. This is really just Mr. Honey being like, I own you. Yeah. I know everything about you. I know what's most important to you. And I like that it's a callback to Reggie being obsessed with his car in the same way that his dad was kind of obsessed with his car. This is fucking creepy. It is creepy as fuck, but I also kind of love it because it's cool. <laughs> oh, Rhett Thistlewood and Cheryl is combing JJ's hair. Ugh. Tony's just watching this happen. Everything's back to normal gross you need to leave tony mm-hmm. tony you in danger girl <laughs> it's my favorite gif of all time it's very good so i go back jughead's in the box he hears like the wood creaking and there's dirt coming through the coffin and it turns out he fell asleep so that wasn't actually happening and he hears footsteps and he starts yelling for help and mr chipping opens up the coffin and the coffin is in the classroom so he was never actually buried And Mr. Shipping is like, well, I'm always amazed at my students' antics, how they get extra creative at Halloween. And Jug is like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm asking the same question. I'm going, whoa, 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 whoa. You're cool with this? And he's just like, here's your phone. You've missed a lot of texts and calls. And Jug is like, did you know about this? Absolutely not, which is total bullshit. I know. And all the other students come in. It's like, what's the point of this? Oh, well, you're one of us now. Oh, my God. Gross. And like Brett's like, did we go too far? In in that case, you could always leave. And Jug is like, no, I'm good. Happy Halloween. And so we cut on over to the hospital. Archie's with Eddie. And he's just like, how are you feeling, Eddie? Like, I got <laughs> shot in the leg. Doctor said it was just a flesh wound. <laughs> Dude, I, I love any time something's called a flesh wound. I just, I, how do you feel? I got shot in the leg. Mm-hmm. Archie's like, I want to help you, me, Monroe, and Sheriff Jones. And he's like, how? Last thing I need is for these guys to think that I snitched, especially since you took away my switchblade. That's not going to help you, but Monroe and I will come hang at the center. They won't step foot in here ever again. And Eddie's kind of like, well, what happens when the center closes at 10? Where do I go then? I'm back on the street because I have to be. And a lot of us are. So I have two options. Either I roll with Dodger or I hide from Dodger. So I appreciate that they're... This is, I like that they're kind of like saying like, okay, white, save your boy. Uh Uh-huh. 
what you're doing is good and noble and appreciated, but it doesn't fix the problem. Yeah. Like, yes, you are giving kids a place to go, but after that place closes, they still have to go back to the rest of their lives and this guy is waiting for them. So kind of like that they poked a hole in that. Like it isn't just Archie being a superhero. You you have way more work to do in order to make this, you know, safe for real. Yeah. So then we're at the Pembroke and Archie and Veronica are being like, oh, my God, you're such a badass. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't believe you, you held off those guys alone. And... Veronica's like, how did pure heart hold up? He's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I vowed to create a safe space for the kids. Something my dad could be proud of. And it's never going to happen as long as Dodger is out on the streets. Veronica's like, okay, so we clean up the streets. And Archie, as well as you fill them out, you're not actually considering fighting crime in those tights. And Archie's like, of course not. I'm going to need a mask. (laughs) So like, okay, this is CW. We specialize in superheroes. So how much do you want to bet Archie's getting a real life superhero costume? Archie joins the Arrowverse. (laughs) I do love we see them in bed with clothes on. Yeah. I'm kind of impressed. I mean, I think we've seen that before, but like. Usually they have at least. They are at least having sex. It's, it's or implied about to. that they are about to, or they just finished. And here it's just like they just woke up. They just were in the same bed. That's cool. Whatever. I like it. And they could have or could have had sex. They could be about to. That's fine too. Whatever. Yeah, I'm just so over it. <laughs> we're back at Thistlewood, and Tony comes into the parlor, and she's got the creepy doll. And she's like, "Why was this sitting on the bed? I thought we agreed to put an end to this." And Cheryl's just kind of like, "Huh." And Tony's like, well, Jason's back. You got what you wanted. And Cheryl's like, although it pains me to admit it, yes, I was gaslighting you before. Fuck you. This is not okay in any way, shape, or form. And for that, I I apologize. I swear on Jason's life. He's fucking dead. He has no life. (laughs) I have no idea how that got back into this house, truly. Then how is it happening? We buried this doll. And Nana's like, I told you it's Julian. Cheryl's like, TT, I'm afraid the true haunting of Thistle House has only just begun. Fuck off. Just fuck off. Because. Into the heat death of the universe. Like. Because they could have gone full on the house of Haunting Hill. In this house, it would have been great. It would have. It could have been so cool. Especially with all of the trauma and bullshit that that family has created. You know there's ghosts in that house. It would have been so fucking cool. But no, this is what they do. They fucking undercut it. Yeah. We go back to Stonewall. Jughead goes back to his room and all of Moose's stuff is gone. He's gone. And he calls Betty. He's on the phone. It's just like, you know, there's not a trace of him anywhere. Do you think he joined the army? I placed a couple of calls, but I know that they chased him out of here. I mean, they did lock me in a coffin because they wanted me to get out of the way while they terrorized Moose. I don't know. And Betty's just like, I hate that they kept me from helping you. I'm sorry you were alone. Betty's like, well, I wasn't alone. I was with Sir Charles. Jug is like, oh, so how are you warming up to our half-brother? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, it's fine. And then we see that Charles is actually listening on this phone call and he's taking notes. And she tells him he wants me to join the junior FBI, which I don't know. I might actually be good at that. Jughead says, yeah, you'd actually be great at that. I'm glad Charles was there for you. And Betty says, yeah, he might be the real deal. Maybe I just feel guilty I wasn't there for you, Jug. And Jughead says, actually... You were there for me. Thinking about you was the only thing that kept me from losing my hope, barf, and my sanity. I think deep down, I know if I ever really went missing, that you would be the one to find me. And Betty says, I would, Jug. 
cut to Riverdale's coroner's office. And we see FP and Betty standing next to a body that's covered in a sheet. They nod at someone off screen. They pull the sheet back. It's Jughead on the table. FP starts shaking his head. And we hear Betty say, I promise. Riverdale. So right at the fucking end. Mm -hmm. They pull it out. (laughs) I mean, they're doing a really good job with these flash forwards. I will say, because they're 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 adding this tension that we're just like, what is this going to be? And no, Jughead is not. They haven't announced that he's leaving. I did see I saw a headline of an article, but I couldn't find the actual article that there's there's a rumor that there's going to be a time jump after season four, which I would be okay with. They did that in One Tree Hill and I actually really liked it because it fast forward through a lot of bullshit I didn't care about. So that could be cool. I don't think Jughead's dead. I mean, I know he's not dead. I, th- I think it's a Sherlock Holmes. He faked his death. Yeah, Jughead. that's that's the vibe I get. And yeah. that only the core four knows. Yeah. Because FP's reaction seems pretty genuine there. So I feel like there's only a select few, which if that's the case, it would also make a ton of sense with the three around in their clothes uh-huh. at the campsite uh-huh. saying we have to burn all trace of him. Yeah. Well, because we saw that, and then we saw them looking for Jug's body, and now we see Jug's actual... They were looking for Jughead. Now we actually see Jughead's body. So those are the three scenes we've seen that flash forward. So something happens that means that we've got to make people think Jughead's dead. Yeah. And it's it's probably something to do with the Stonewall prep storyline. He might have to disappear. He may have to disappear. And the whole point is he's going to disappear off with Grandpa. To go do something. To go deal with the people who are making them disappear. Like, I don't know. It's probably something like that. And that'd be cool. Hmm. Hmm. Unfortunately, this episode doesn't serve that very well. No. I do like that we're only getting these tiny little bits of this, of the Jughead story. That's being very well placed. Or that's being very well paced. It's, you know, and Veronica was given this storyline so that she had something to do. But it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It could have been. It, I think it should have been a lot more ambiguous so that like I feel like it would have been a little more interesting if we didn't know he was a serial killer until a later episode or something like they could have. It could have been used as like, a yeah, they're just really bad at long game stories. They just are. Well, he should have left. And that's when Veronica hears the news story. Realize that that's who it was. And now you have this longer time. Yeah, that would have been better. Um. But we have another episode we have to watch promo for. Yeah. So you'll hear some music and then we're going to watch the next time on. We'll have more ideas and theories after that. See you in a minute. So those serial killer genes are back. Like, okay. So it's called Witness for the Prosecution, and nothing in that trailer is about Veronica and her parents. And there's an image on one of the promos of Veronica in a courtroom. So clearly that's a part of this story. Like, okay, so Betty's going to be like two seconds of this story. It has to be. And yeah, I I mean, it's just they're going to focus on does she have the serial killer gene? Like, what does that mean? Does she have the darkness? So stupid. So stupid. That might be Charles's ploy is he thinks that she's got this inside of her. Like maybe he's trying to profile her to see if she will become a serial killer. Like I could see that. And he's trying to like long term study her. 
Maybe, but uh, whatever. Yeah. What a dumb promo. Oh, yeah, that's a horrible trailer. I mean, they've been doing that a lot this season. I think they're trying to, like, counteract RAS's absolute ridiculous spoilers by just giving us nothing. Like, it's not even that. I think he just doesn't care about spoilers. He's just like, I'm just going to give away whatever. I'm just going to say whatever I want. It's like, that's not your show, though. Like, your show is supposed to be suspenseful, and you're just, like, blowing shit up. You're pointing to things and not letting people, like, come across it. Like, did you learn nothing from Lost? Say nothing. Just say nothing. It would serve you better. Because he's not very good at this. No, he's really bad at this. (laughs) Like, really bad. I am firmly convinced that everything good that has come out of the show had nothing to do with him. Very little. Like, I will give him credit for, like, setting a tone and a path. Yeah. And, like, probably casting all these people, which has turned out really, really well. Because, you know, definitely had, like, really shitty opinions about Camila Mendez in that first season. She's gotten a thousand times better. Yeah, I like Camila. She's she's way better. But, man, like, come on, people. <sighs> this uh, one was rough. This one was tough for to, just to deal with. All right. Well, until next time, hashtag... Go Bulldogs! Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.